Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So is everybody ready for Christmas? We understand Christmas, especially in the celebration of Christians, that it's all about the birth of Jesus Christ. And even historically, it has been tried to hijack the whole definition of what Christmas is. But I'm glad I have a revelation of this great truth that came in swaddling clothes. And Emmanuel means God with us. Because today we can gather in his presence and know that he is with us because of a virgin birth. And with that, we can also declare that through the plan of salvation and the infilling of the Spirit of God, we can declare, not by our might nor our power, but by the power of Christ that is in us, that we can declare that by His grace, we are saved. Amen. So this is a beautiful week of celebration to those things that biblically turn us to celebrate Jesus Christ and not how everybody else would celebrate it. Amen. I want to say thank you to all of our visitors that are here. It's an honor to have you with us. And uh, we encourage you that if you are a first-time visitor here, please go to our guest table. And at the guest table, you can pick up a a guest bag, packet, and in there you will find a free drink at Uplift Coffee. We encourage you to stick around, and this will give Pastor an opportunity to meet you after the service. Stick around and take your time because I'm going to try to make my way out there, and I will have our iHelps, which is our greeters will take me around and show me who all of our newcomers are. And so please uh, spend some time just drinking your coffee, enjoying the talking to people and getting to know each other, and then eventually I'll get out there and I'll get to meet you for myself. I would consider that an honor if you would do that. Amen. Wow, what a beautiful presence of God here today. Amen. Thank you, Raina. I want to, for a little while, talk to you from this subject. It is not what you have lost, but what you have left that counts. <laughs> it's not what you have lost, but what you have left. Now, I know that there are a few of you that have come with just about nothing. And so I propose to you that whatever you have left, if you will give it to God, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Come on now. 
Let me just break this down. Abraham settled in Canaan with his wife, Sarah. She was 65 years old, and he was 75, and he was childish, childish, childless, rather. But God promised Abraham that he would inherit a land and a nation, and through his seed, the world would be blessed. Now, we know this to be true because Jesus was born through that lineage. But during the time Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, and in Genesis, the 12th chapter, in the 7th verse, this is the promise, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there building, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Immediately when he hears what God had told him, at that moment he believed the promise and he built an altar. He believed the promise and built an altar. Many times, God will give us a promise. And how many times have we believed that promise? Show me your hands. That when God makes a promise, he is faithful that promises. But time whittled away at his faith because the promise didn't come when he expected it. He began to lose his faith in the ability of that promise coming to pass. Abraham had a promise, but it wasn't when he thought it would come. So Abraham decides that he's going to take matters into his own hands. Abraham creates an alternative. He had a son by the name of Ishmael. Talked about it, Brother Rigo. He had a son by the name of Ishmael by his wife's maidservant, Hagar. But the problem is this was not the promise. And the reason it's not the promise is because the promise doesn't come from you. Because when you get the idea that you can make the promise come to pass by what you accomplish, then you don't understand God at all. God wants to do something in your life that is impossible. Something that you cannot take the credit for. Something that goes beyond your ability and your intellect and your knowledge to put together and fabricate within your own means. Because God wants to do something great in your life, Abraham. But he was losing his faith. And because he was losing his faith, he created his own idea of where that promise would come from. And when God makes a promise... God always seems to wait until it's impossible for you to do anything about it so that he can get the credit for it. Oh, yeah. Because almost three decades later, God shows up with a word to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to understand that my word and my promise hasn't changed just because you're trying to change it. 
So rather than your name being Abram, there's got to be a change in you. Instead of your name being Abram, I'm going to make it Abraham. Because there's no promise that shall come to pass until you change first. How many times we want God to just take what we have to offer and say, this is how I think it should be done. When God says, no, I need you to change. Don't try to change me from my promise. Why don't you change into, your, into the promise that I want to give you and your faith for that promise? So and no longer will it be Abram. It will be Abraham. The change is going to take place in your life, Abraham. Nations are going to come from you. Kings are going to come from you. And there will be a blessing that will come from you that will bless all people. Then he goes from Abram to Abraham. Then he goes to Sariah. Sariah was his wife. And in the 15th verse of the 17th chapter of Genesis, God said unto Abraham, As for Sariah, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sariah, but Sarah shall her name be. Not only do I need a change in you, but I need a change in your wife. Because if I've got you on board and she's not on board, then you're not in unity with God, what God wants to do. So I'm going to change you. But you've got to remember that there's more to this than just you. Oh, I could preach on that for an hour. There's more to this than just you. It's not just you being saved. It's not just you being changed. It's not just you being blessed. It's not just you being anointed. But he says you've got a responsibility, Abraham, because if it stops at you, then it's not going to do any good to bring, to, to bring forth the Messiah that shall come out of you. you got to get others on board. Come on, somebody help what I'm saying. Because what good is this if this message stops at your pastor? And what good is this if this message only stops at the ministry? Somewhere, everybody the bride of Christ needs a change. Amen. Because metaphorically, Abraham was a type of God and Sarah was a type of the church. I need the church to change. Sariah, no longer will you be called Sariah, but you'll be called Sarah. Then he says in the 16th verse, which almost verbatim shows or uh, repeats what he had said to Abraham. And he says, and I will bless her. Hallelujah. And will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations and a mother of kings of people shall be of her. But this will only happen when change happens first. New names. New names. This was a hard uh, word to receive because now 
almost three decades later, Abraham's 100 and she's 90. You know, God, you probably could have done this when my wife was 65. Because at least we got a chance. But now there's no chance. She is past her years. And so in the, ninth, in the 17th verse, the Bible says that Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And how shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bring forth a son? How can this happen? I have, to, I have to talk to you about some of this stuff because I think the church is trying to take credit where credit is not due. I think the church is trying to tell people that, that we're the ones that save you. No, we're not. And that we're the ones that you have to be like us in order to be... No, you're not. Amen. God is saying, no, Sarah, all I want you to do is have faith and believe. And if you will believe, I'll bring the people to you. I'll bring nations to you. And that this baby that shall be born, I'm talking to someone right now, that God is ready to give the church a birth of something great. But he's saying, I'm just looking for me a Sarah that won't laugh in her heart and say, that's impossible. Ah. Amen. Some of you have given yourself up to the things of this world because you just don't believe God can do it. But I'm here to tell you, God is greater than any situation that you are facing. I don't care if your marriages are breaking apart. I don't care if you've lost your job and you don't have a penny in the bank account. It doesn't matter what your health is. I'm telling you, God, I'm talking about a God that is able and a God that is well. A God that can come to you and give you something that is is impossible because what is impossible with men is possible with God amen when the church can't come to your aid when your mom and your daddy can't do it when the pastor can't give it to you oh am I talking to anybody and when you go to your work and you say well I thought that would help and then you look to your government and it's falling apart and you're trying to find answers I'll tell you where you find it you're not going to find it in anything other than in God have faith in him I said have faith in him 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 him. Have faith in him. Have faith in him. God is able. I said God is able. Oh, I wish I had a Pentecostal church here today. God is able. God is able. God is able. He's just waiting on someone that will believe in the impossible. He said, this is impossible. So now, in the 18th verse, Abraham begins to offer God what he had accomplished. And he says to the Lord, oh, to God, he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. In other words, God, you can't do this. I'll have to help you. So he's offering Ishmael that came from the maidservant, Hagar. 
the maidservant of Sarah, or Sarai. He's simply saying that, here, God, here's what I have. And God says, I can't use that because that's your ability to fix your own problems. Then you're saying, well, what do I have left? Some of you have come here and you say, well, I don't have much left. I don't have any more to give. I'm spent. I'm tired. I'm old. What you're asking God is impossible. And the reason you're laughing, Abraham, at this word, because you and Sarai have tried to fix this by yourself. You had an Ishmael. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to change Abram into Abraham, Sarai into Sarah, because this is going to be a new day for you. This is going to be a time of change for you. I'm not talking about an Ishmael past. I'm talking about an Isaac future. I'm not talking about what you have accomplished in your past. I don't care if you've got a million dollars in the bank. I want to change you. It doesn't matter who you've been around and your political position and your status. It doesn't matter the power that you have with people. I'm going to change you. Does somebody hear this preacher today that the Lord is looking for us to say, I'm going to just have faith in what little I have left. And what? It requires is change. Because if you stay as Abram, you stay as Sariah, you don't believe there is any other way out. But when you give God what is left, God always uses what you have left over. Then, in the 19th verse, and God said, Sarah, Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name, it must say Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. That's you and I. Great nations are going to come from this seed. It's not the seed that you are a Jew, but it's the seed that you shall be part of his plan and his purpose. Because Jesus rejected the bloodline and went to the Gentiles because they were more like him because they believed in him. Abraham, I'm not just doing this for you. I'm doing this for your future. But Abraham's looking at this and he's shaking his head and he's saying, you know, I've given you all I have. No, you haven't, Abraham. Oh, yes, I have, God. Argue probably with the Lord. Well, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't have anything left. I just Whatever I have is just a little bitty, bitty bit and that barely got me in here today. That's what counts. Never underestimate the little you have left, especially when you put it in the hands of God. 
And many of us feel like we don't have anything left in the midst of our pain. The loss of a family member. The pain of a cheater's heart. Broken marriages. Suffering of a friend walking away from the building of one thing and the destruction of another. The dark valleys we go through. The never-ending temptations that we have. Thoughts that plague our mind. The fight of our flesh. Troubled past and hopeless futures. We have no money. We have no food. Our kids are on drugs. Suicide cast a dark cloud upon many. And here we are in the middle of our struggles. And there have been times that many of us have felt just as King David when he says in Psalm 7410, he said, Oh God, how long shall the adversary approach and shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? David was saying this uh, never seems to get any better. God, I am break at my breaking point. It's, it's all falling in on me, God. Don't know what way to turn. Can't find resolve. My peace is being challenged and my spirit is troubled. We all have had faith in people. We have loved them. We have trusted them. We believed in them. We gave to them. We invested in them. We laid our heart out on the table for them. And they took and they stole from us. And they stole the things that were precious to us. And many times all of us have experienced this. We stand in a place of bewilderment. We question why and how long, just as David did. And we said many times, I wish this would end. And I am spent, but God takes everything that's left over. And says, I can do more with what you have left than anything you have ever lost. That's why it says when you've done all you can to stand, don't quit right here. Don't give up right there. Don't walk away now. Don't say it's over for me. No, God says when you're done with everything you've ever been able to do and you have exhausted all of your abilities, stand ye there for a while because you are on the threshold of getting ready to step into a new place. You're getting ready to step into a new dimension. You're getting ready to step into something that is impossible. You're getting ready to step into the things that God says now that you can't do it any longer. Now you can walk with God and in the Spirit of God. And that's where he says, I can use you in a greater measure than I've ever used you in the past. Simply because you're believing beyond what you have experienced and what you have been challenged with in your past. Oh, I want you to know that God is able. God is is able. God is able. When you question and you don't know why, trust in God. When you have friends and family that have failed you, trust in 
God. Amen. You say, how long shall this happen? I wish this would end. But Abraham, I still have a, pro a, a promise for you. Don't quit now. You might be 100 and your wife is 90, but I've got something I'm going to give you that is going to change the destiny of all humanity. Amen. It might be that you have to declare in me, I cannot do this. But God said, now that you've done all you can to stand, stand ye therefore because I'm getting ready to give you a son by the name of Isaac. And when I give you this son, great nations shall come from it. Oh, I don't know if you get excited about it, but I get excited about it because while I'm dancing here, I am part of the plan of Abraham that gave birth to an Isaac. And I can lift my hands. I can feel the Spirit of God. I know the Holy Ghost is here. I know I can be healed. I know I can be saved. I know I can be redeemed. I know, I know, I know my marriage can be fixed. I know my mind and my depression shall be renewed. Hey! Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Amen. We need to fight for this. Amen. We need to overcome. We need to fight for this. It's not always going to be easy, but you got to fight past your own self. And that feeling that you are worthless and that you want to quit and give up. Don't quit now. You are not worthless. God has created you in his image. God, don't create junk. You are a promise unto God. Amen. You are a blessing. You have been anointed for this time that you might receive the true promises of God. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, in a speech in the House of Commons, June 4th, 1940, four years before D-Day, he simply said, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and we shall fight in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. What he is simply saying, we will fight with what little we have left. And I'm going to tell you that because of that way of thinking, he aroused the people into believing that there's nothing that cannot be accomplished. We might be little, we might be small. We might not have much power, and we might not have the artillery. We might not have the tanks. We might not have the planes. But we do have this one thing. I believe in what God has created me to be. And there's not a devil out of hell, and there is not anything that is formed against me that can stand. I shall overcome. Why? For if God, if God, not man, if God, not government, if God, not my pastor, if if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm telling you, there's nothing. Oh, I wish I could get this in your head today. There is nothing. There is nothing that anyone can do to keep you from the thing that God wants to bring in your life. Abraham, I have a promise. 
have a promise. Don't laugh about it. Fight for it. We have learned to live with our less rather than to believe we are blessed. Oh, you got to hear what I'm saying. We have learned to live with our less rather than to believe we are blessed. We've learned simply to say, well, it's just going to be this way the rest of my life. While he's beating you up and he's your husband, or while she's screaming at you and hollering, you all throw your hands up and say, well, this is the way it is. All women are like that. All men are like that. Man, it got quiet all of a sudden. I don't know what happened there. Our children are wayward. We don't know what to do. Nobody taught us how to raise our kids. I wish there was a manual to that. Or we could just read it. The women would. The men would just try to put it together without the manual. I got this. I got this. Then he's got 15 screws left and wonder where, where they're supposed to go. And then when he puts up the cabinet and he's wondering why everything's upside down. Uh, yeah. But there's not a manual with this. All of us are trying to do the best we can, right? The closest manual we have is the Word of God, and I guarantee if you start using it, you might be surprised how it can put your family together again. But I'm going to give you an Isaac. You know the story. God made a promise. And even if it was 25 plus years before that time, God shows up and Abraham laughs in his heart and says, this is impossible. <laughs> but yet God told him, I'm going to give you this promise and kings and great nations are going to come from you and from this promise. But I have to make sure that you understand that the promise is not coming from you, it's coming through you. So I need you to realize that all you're doing is carrying the promise. I'm going to go a little Christmassy. You ready for this? Mary, it's not what you accomplish. All I want you to do is carry this promise. It has nothing to do with you other than you have been chosen. Hmm. But, you know, I'm a virgin. I know no man. How can this be? Well, Mary, don't you know your history? If he can do it for Sarah, I guess he can do it for you. If her womb won't work, maybe you should understand if God gave her a promise, he can do the same for you as he did for Sarah. All I need you for, Mary, is to make yourself available for the seed of Abraham to bless all nations.
See, this is still true today. That God is looking for a Mary that he can trust the seed of salvation with. Oh, I'm going to just slow down for a minute and just kind of lay some foundation. Just as he's looking for churches who is the bride of Christ, he can trust this seed with. When it no longer becomes about the pastor, then you're starting to get it. When it no longer becomes a, a, a product of the people, then you're really getting the revelation of it. See, because this is not about us. You need to get off your little pious high horse and quit being so self-righteous and get off that judgmental stool that you're sitting on that seems to be higher than everybody else. And while you're on it, I'm going to come in here with the word of God with the chainsaw and cut it down because that kind of spirit don't belong in the house of God. I think the devil understood that, don't you? What I just said. He's looking for churches that he can trust this with. That's why you can't just go to any church. Now, I'm not, I'm not bashing any other church, but I'm going to tell you that it's very rare for you to find the spirit of Mary in the church today. Because we want to have that laughing spirit and say, well, that's not the way we do it. It's impossible. So we're going to change the truth into a lie. And a lot of people are saying you no longer have to receive the baptism of God's spirit to be saved. That's a lie. And while people are saying that you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name, that's a lie. Come on now, do I got any help here? And so God all the while is saying, Abraham, you're laughing in your heart, but I want to do this thing that's real. And this thing that is real is not what you say it should be. I need you to find out what I'm saying this should be. I made a promise to you 25 years ago, and somewhere you lost your faith because you began to look at your own self and listen to the people that said, well, that's not going to happen because you're too old, Grandpa. I am here to declare that we, the people of God, are not going to listen to the lies of those that say this is the way we do it when we say this is the way he does it. We're not going to listen to a world that says, well, that's not politically correct. Do I get a witness there? Amen. That That's not politically correct, and we don't want to do that because we're afraid we're going to offend people. Listen, I'm not afraid to offend people, but I'm going to love those people. I'm not going to judge them. That's their choice. I'm going to love them with all I can but I'm still not going to compromise on this great truth because if I'm going to see you in heaven I got to preach what Jesus Christ has commanded the church to preach and that's why we stand here today with an uncompromising message we're going to preach sound doctrine we're going to preach the name of Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved we're going to let the world know that we're not like every other other woman we are a Mary that is willing to be trusted with the seed of Abraham the promise that was given 
to Abraham's the same promise he's given for a Christmas celebration. That's why we are here today. We're talking about a Jesus that was born in a manger and that God has come to us in that body that we can be saved by a promise that is out of the hands of man and we can't give it to you when they told you you could learn glossolalia that is a lie as well if you get the spirit it's got to come from God and God himself we don't teach you how to speak in tongues we don't teach you how to get a hold of God in the sense that we can give it no we just tell you here's the Lord you want him have him I want to introduce you to the one that can change your whole life I want to introduce you to one that can make a difference in your future. I want to introduce you to one that can heal you. Uh. Uh, but I don't have anything left. I'm going to tell you, man, all kinds of Stuff's going on in our world today. I just can't even hardly scroll through Facebook where I'm not violated by some video of what's happening in Congress. It's a shame. You hear me? It's a shame. When we start taking sides over God, something's wrong with us. When our political views divide us, Something's wrong. God cannot trust anyone with this seed if we despise and hate each other. That's why this church preaches. There's no walls of division. Ethnicity, let's bring all the walls down to this ethnocentric spirit. Let's break down the walls of cultural differences. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying. Break down the walls. You may not look like me. You may not walk like me. You may not talk like me. But I'm still going to love you. Even when you might not even have the full revelation of the truth. I'm still going to love you. Even when we don't agree, I'm still going to love you. Why? Because we are coming together in the name of the Word of God. It doesn't matter what government is doing. It doesn't matter what Congress is doing. It doesn't matter if you are a Democrat or a Republican. This is a matter of the Word of God. We need to get rid of that spirit and say, God, I want you to trust me. Lord, I want you to trust me. I want to be, I want to be the one that you're willing to trust with the seed of Abraham. I got, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I feel this in the spirit, but we, we, we got we to gotta make sure people understand that you are not going to be able to come into the house of God and continue to be prejudiced in his spirit. You can't do it. For every saint of God, listen to me very carefully, for every saint of God, when the drug addict walks in that door, 
the chair you have does not belong to you it belongs to them you ought to be giving them a seat in your place showing them that you love them and that you care about them hey I know what I'm talking about because I've been in several churches this is my, my, this is my mama right here so I know what I'm talking about she's known me since I was a little kid but I'm going to tell you something I, I've been well then I don't know if I'm going to call you my sister though <laughs> yeah. I give Tanya a hard time I, she was a little kid too but I'm going to tell you this I've been to churches I'm a pastor I've sat in some of our, our churches our churches I call themselves Pentecostal our churches that I did not feel at home and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? I preach the same message you preach. I believe in the same God you believe in. And why is it you would want to reject me? Oh, because you don't comb your hair like us. In this church, we only wear a suit and ties. It's because you've got that scarf in your pocket. And it's got a little pink in there. Pink is not for men. You look at me. Come up to me and tell me I'm not a man. All right. Ah, somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching. I've gone to churches. You know why? If I feel that way, let me just say this. If I feel that way, I can't imagine how someone that doesn't know God feels that way. Every one of us need to be hosting every sinner that walks in that door. Every one of us need to be hosting every guest that walks in that door. We need to be hosting every one visitor. It doesn't matter who it is. They are our guests. Mm -hmm. I just beat on that devil for a while. I, I feel better now. I'm going to go home and take a nap. I can go home and take a nap now. I'm going to sleep good today. Uh, can, I, can I point out something real quick? Jesus did not condemn the sinner. He condemned the Pharisee. Think about that a while. He didn't come in and say, well, you know, I would come to your house, Zacchaeus, but you got some things in there that we don't agree with. there but the Bible says that he was a friend to sinners you know why he was a friend to sinners is because he could be trusted his seed that came from Abraham was trusted to a woman and when Jesus was born he proved that he was willing to give it of himself that they might be saved but he didn't say he was a friend to the Pharisee why? because they didn't accept him the sinner did well that's a message in itself 
that the Pharisees rejected Jesus Christ. And because of their rejection, he said, okay, since you have rejected me, then I must go find me a people that will accept me. He went to the Gentiles, the sinners. He said, ah, I found me a people that want the seed of Abraham, not by blood, but by the Spirit. I can trust the sinner with the seed of salvation. But he says the church needs to wake up. And the people of God need to wake up. Now I'm not here to preach a condemning message to you. Because I believe we've got good people in this place. And I believe this church is being trusted by God. But I will tell you this. As long as you stay as an Abram and a Sariah, it'll never come for you. Because it's not what you have lost. It's what you have left. That you're willing to offer to God. And Ishmael will not work. Don't come to the house of God and keep offering Ishmael when God says, I have an Isaac for you. I know I'm taking some time, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Isaac is born out of a divine conception just as Jesus was born out of a divine conception. But yet, what was required of Abraham was when Isaac was around 12 years old, somewhere in that area, God said, take thine son, thine only son, I want you to take him up on the mountain and worship me. Abraham understood this, Brother Roy, here, because anytime you worship God, there's always a sacrifice involved. It's impossible to worship God until you're ready to bow yourself before him. And if you bow today, you won't have to bow at the great white throne judgment. If I bow today, I'm worshiping this God and declare that He is God over all things. That He is my Lord, my God. In Him will I trust. Worship. Take this Isaac. Go to the mountain. Take this promise. Go to the mountain. The promise you never thought would come. I want you to take it to the mountain. And when you do, I want you to prepare it. So while they're going toward the mountain, Abraham stops. He says to all of his servants, you stay here. For Isaac, my son, and I must do this thing alone. And go to the mountain because there's a struggle that you guys will never understand because this is me and all my offspring. It's me and my seed I got to deal with. It's me and my child that I need to deal with. You guys will never understand. It's just me and God. Oh, Isaac, he's all excited. I can't go with my dad today. 
It's going to be fun. I've never gone to the mountain to worship with my dad. While he's skipping, kicking rocks, he's all excited. Oh, I'm going to have a good time. Finally get up on the mountain. He says, Isaac, come on over here. I want you to help your dad uh, build this altar. Okay, dad, go get me some rocks. All right, I'll go get some rocks. He goes out there, and man, he's got this smile on his face. He wraps those rocks in his arms, and he's carrying them because so heavy. I almost slip out of his arms, and he grabs it and leverages it against his stomach, and he's, he's walking on. Finally, he puts a rock down, and his dad said, well, we're going to need a whole lot more than that, boy. This is a greater sacrifice than just one rock. Go get some more. And he gets more, and he gets more, and he gets more. Finally, they have that, that altar built. Finally, Isaac asked the question, Dad, where's, where's the sacrifice, Dad? A little bit hesitant and asking a question didn't seem so positive. Now, he's really trying to figure it all out, and his mind is racing, and he said, Dad, 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 where, where's the, where, where's the, Oh, son, you're the sacrifice. What? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Isaac would bow his head. In his mind, he's thinking maybe only 12, 13 years old. He's thinking, I've never had any reason not to trust my dad. So as he takes those little pale hands and he puts them against the rocks and starts climbing up on that altar. <laughs> he lays down, he puts his hands for us. Oh, good dad. I'm ready. And I can only imagine that little Isaac's mind is racing back to the idea that God has never failed my father. And he's always taught me to trust in this God. So I'm not going to quit now. I'm not going to give up now. I'm going to allow myself to be placed on this altar because I know this altar can be trusted. And I know this altar is a place that sacrifice must take place. Change must take place. So if you've asked Abram, Sarai to change, well, Lord, if this is my change, I'm going to crawl up on this altar. He crawls up on that altar. And I can see Abraham as he takes those old weather-beaten hands and the wrinkles on his face begin to change and the contortion of his mouth as he begins to cry out to God, 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 I'm doing what you've asked me to do. But I thought, I thought my sacrifice was having to wait for almost three decades for this promise. But I'm going to trust you. There is no doubt in my mind that it began to race through the mind of Abram, Abraham. God, why is it that you would give me a promise and then ask me to sacrifice it? Why is it you would give me a promise and then take it away? Why is it you would give me a son and then ask me to put him on the altar?
I'm going to trust you, God. You didn't fail me because you gave me this promise. So I'm going to do what you have asked me to do. For you to really understand this, you must know that just because God gives you the promise doesn't mean your sacrifices are over. Just because you start coming to church doesn't mean it's going to just get easier. And that everything is going to be okay. Sometimes you just got to pull it up from the bootstraps and say, I'm going to do this thing when I don't understand. I'm going to do this thing when I am in complete, utter confusion as to why. But I'm going to build an altar again today on a Sunday morning. I'm going to go down to that altar. 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 Because I know in order for me to truly worship Him, I need to change my name from Abram to Abraham. I need to change my name from Sariah to Sarah. In complete obedience. I can see the little eyes close on Isaac and tears begin to drip from his eyelids. His daddy takes out the dagger from his girdle. And with his worship, he has tears flowing down his eyes. He raises it up. And begins to take the life of his son, thine only son. He's getting ready to take the life of that promise that God gave to him. He's getting ready to take the life. And then immediately as he's drawing nigh with that dagger, he throws it down toward his son. And all of a sudden, God grabs the arm of Abraham. And said, not today. Why not today? because he's not the one what do you mean God he's not the one eh, Isaac can't save you there's only one who can shed his blood that can save you only one only one Isaac is not the one There's this noise in the thicket, and there's a ram stuck in the bushes. And he takes that ram and he puts it on the altar, and he begins to exercise the priestly duties of a priest. And he makes that sacrifice of the ram so that the atonement of sin could be pushed away. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I really don't. I, I really don't. But I hope today you understand that no matter what you struggle with now, no matter what you're going through now, don't quit just because God is requiring you to take thine son, thine only son. I'm not talking about literally, but I'm talking spiritually. 
because we know God abhors human sacrifice. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that you are faced with in your life, things that God has promised you, but God is saying, is that promise greater than your obedience to me? Is Isaac more important to you than your obedience to me? Oh, as we stand today, I just wonder if there's anybody here today that's willing to step out and say, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring the rocks the sacrifices I'm going to lay them on an altar I'm going to lay that and them on an altar so as they begin to sing I'm calling for every visitor, every guest. I'm calling on every saint of God that would step out right now and bring your worship to Him. Every eye behold the one 